What is going on, House of X Book Club fans? Tonight, we have a very special episode of the House of X Book Club. As I, your second favorite member of the House of X, Shane, I'm going to interview Drew, who is like one and a half. Either, yeah, maybe, or maybe three. Either one of those. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Drew? I'm doing good. It's been a it's been a fantastic day. It's been great. How you doing? I'm doing all right. A lazy day, I hope. Lazy. A little bit peeking behind the curtain. We're recording on a Saturday here, so. It's spooky recording on a Saturday. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice, though. We can kind of take our time, stretch our legs, not have to worry about, oh, we have to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. to head out to work. So I like that. Well, I, I still do, but that's, oh, no. that's okay. Five o'clock in the morning, really? No, nine o'clock. So it's oh, okay, that's easy not peasy. nearly as bad. Nope. You could stay I'll up till one. I'll still be up at six. <laughs> I, I, I'm up at six regardless. So, so what do you do? If you want to tell everybody, I um I do maintenance at a local resort in Mendocino. So I I do everything from building fences to unclogging toilets to changing light bulbs to dealing with you know punctured horse hooves. Okay. I do a little bit of everything. Wow. Okay. So, and and you live in Mendocino, right? You don't um, commute from the Bay Area. I don't. I actually live in Fort Bragg, so I do commute okay. the the nine miles south to Mendocino. But it's I've done that since high school, so it's 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 we when I work in Fort Bragg, it is weird not driving to Mendocino because like <laughs> that that in you know ten to fifteen minute depending on traffic commute kind of centers me for my day, and I really like it. So, and it, it's, I remember we came up there and visited not too long ago and man, it was like all two lanes. And I was like, if there's one accident, everybody's whole day is ruined. Yep. That's true. But that's, a, a, everyone here knows that. So it's like, oh, you know, I, I hit construction or, oh, there was an accident. They're like, oh, okay, that's an excuse to be late. It's fine. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> At least they're understanding. It seems to be a little bit more laid back than the Bay Area, I think. Definitely. I'm glad I don't live there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> did you live down here for a while then? I, I did. I lived in Fremont for a few years. I went to junior high in Fremont. Um, oh, okay. My my father lived down there and uh, my parents got divorced when I was like two. And so I, I split time between the two of them. And so, yeah, I, I, I did my time in, in Fremont. <laughs> I mean, Fremont's a pretty good place, though. Um, uh, there's there. What is it? There's a there's a bunch of comic book stores. There's some gaming stores. Um, all kinds of great stuff going on in Fremont. So I might not have been that way when you were in. It might have been. I just didn't know any of that. I had no <laughs> friends that were into comics when I lived in in the Bay Area. Oh man, well, that's a bummer. When did you get into comics then? Um. Oh, I had this pulled up. 2011. I don't have it pulled up currently. So I was. It was after college. Oh wow. Okay. It was so fairly not recently. That long ago. Yeah. Okay. It was right before the new fifty two launched, essentially. And then oh. the new fifty two is what launched me into comics. Like I, okay. I jumped on that train then. And that's might be why I still have a fondness for the new fifty two. It's it's like for me, um like like the band Metallica, they've they've got that album Saint Anger, which uh -huh. is historically hated. It's a horrible yes. album. <laughs> that Universally was my, shed upon by that Metallica was my first fans. Metallica album though, so I love it. Like, okay, <laughs> everything after that was just icing on the cake for me. So I just so I you and I have a little bit of difference in age. Um, so I remember when the Black album came out, and that one 
was universally hated for really by by the the hardcore Metallica fans for quite some time. Um, and I mean, then Saint Saint Anger came out, and it was like mm, Black Album's not so bad. Yeah, I love <laughs> the Black Album. I mean, that came out in '92, I think, but yeah. it came right after Injustice for All. So, I mean, nothing's going to live up to that. That's one of the greatest albums of all time. Right, right, and it was just a real departure from from what they had done before but yeah i mean you know as you get older and you get things like tinnitus and arthritis and all kinds of other things going on it's your body just starts breaking down and you know you can't continue to play that hard and having a little songs that are just a little bit slower can extend your career and make it easier for you to go into that harder stuff i think yeah and that's the thing like with bands that are as long like have a longevity that that big like i i mean what of one of your questions that you, that you asked me is is what are what are my favorite bands so mm -hmm. i'm just i'm gonna i'm gonna skip to that question right now okay good i was gonna ask that anyway so, so <laughs> um my favorite bands of all time are metallica led zeppelin and red hot chili peppers and okay. i think like metallica and the red hot chili peppers are great examples of bands that started when they were young and just like the rest of us they age they get older. As you get older, you change. So their music changes. It makes sense to me. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes with, you know, you're right. You have a different outlook on life mm -hmm. just across the board. You know, being a young and hungry musician at 18 and then having all that money and success is going to change the way you approach your life day to day, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine the Red Hot Chili Peppers today coming out on stage in nothing but tube socks like they did in their, you know, early 20s. <laughs> and the people expecting that are just kind of, it blows my mind. <laughs> just so much loose skin and <laughs> wrinkly old asses. Just not the business, man. Oh, so um, what would you say is your favorite song by Metallica? My favorite song by by Metallica is Suicide and Redemption off of Death Magnetic. Okay. And it, it, it is a 12-minute instrumental. And there's just <laughs> something about that song where literally to this day, every single time I hear it, I, I get chills on my arms and I just get into the music and the rest of the world fades away. I, I, I don't know what it is about that song, but everything is perfect for me. Nice, nice. I, I honestly, I don't think I've heard that one. I kind of fell out with Metallica. Not like a, not like the, oh, St. Anger, that snare drum, I'm going to kill everybody. But just, mm -hmm. it was, I, you know, I kind of, I float around a lot. Um, and I, you know, I can't do their stuff at karaoke. So I, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, speaking of karaoke, do you do karaoke there, Drew? Um, I don't, but okay. my D, my go-to, my go-to karaoke song is always friends in low places by garth brooks nice, just nice. because I, there's a lot of memories attached to that song um, <laughs> i have a i had a friend in high school who's since passed away uh in a car accident and we would always you know get drunk in high school and sing that song and so when i do karaoke i think about him and i do it nice that's really cool um so um since Friends in Low Places is your favorite song, I do have to ask, how far away was the Oasis bar from where you lived that everyone you knew insisted was the Oasis bar in the Garth Brooks song? I've never had anyone insist that. Oh, really? Yep. 
okay, because there was like this um, where Rob and and Rowan and Roger and I lived out in the Central Valley. There was this shitty little apartment building um, at the out just towards the end of a street called McHenry and Modesto, and there was a shitty little bar attached to the shitty little apartment building. And everyone's, yep, that's the one he's talking about. That it's that one right there. I was like, you realize that there's like an Oasis bar in every single city in this country, right? I don't know that I've ever been to an Oasis bar. Well, I wouldn't have gone to that one because it looked like a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> I've drank at some shitty bars and that one I was like, huh, no, I don't want to get gonorrhea from the bar stools. I love, I love a dive bar. Yeah, Just... I definitely love a dive bar. Um, I, we definitely went to some dive bars before. What, where, where do you usually like to go when you're gonna go drinking? Um, my there, I spent many, many, many years on a bar stool in Dick's Place in Mendocino, and then um, when I quit drinking and driving, basically, I oh. started going to a, another little dive bar. And it was the old man's bar in Fort Bragg called the Milano. And it was just a bunch of old working class men who were either like right around retirement age or had already retired. And I was always the youngest person in there. And I loved it. Like I became one of the crew and it was a great time. And then it closed down for um, it closed down during COVID. And it was the first bar to reopen in Fort Bragg after everything opened back up. And now it's the hipster bar. So. Oh, because everybody started going there because it was the only one open, it, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Well, what do you usually drink then? What do you like to drink? Uh, I'm just a beer guy. I quit. Okay. I quit drinking. I've, I I actually don't drink anymore. I, I I quit drinking because you know it was, I was making bad decisions. But um, <laughs> I quit. I quit drinking hard liquor probably around 23 and was strictly beer. And I like, I like Coors Light. I like you know I like lagers and pilsners and lighter beers, and uh, mostly because you can drink copious amounts of those and be quote unquote fine. Yes, and that's well, the main reason I quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus there's the, you know, they're much easier on the wallet than the $17 a bottle IPA. Yeah. I was much, I, I was very much so a quantity over quality type guy. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that. There was a bar up the street from my house when I was in my twenties that on Tuesday nights they would play, you know, it was a dance club, but on Tuesday nights they would play like all alternatives. So it'd be like Red Hot Chili Peppers and REM and you know and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And until ten o'clock they had quarter draft beers. Oh, it was like I don't even know what it was, but I would spend about five dollars and be good for the night. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> I would I would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we know what you drink. What about what do you what what do you like to eat, man? Sorry. So before we go too much further, before I let you answer that, sorry, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, the reason I picked you as the person for me to interview was because I wanted to get to know you better, since you're mm -hmm. kind of the new guy. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Rob shanghai me and threw me into a book club. <laughs> That's the strangest kidnapping of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it worked I'm gonna out. You, I'm going to put you in my candy van and then take you off to a book club. <laughs> Man, if if candy was offered, I wouldn't have even thought about it. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, so what do you like to eat, man? What do you eat? Uh I eat a little bit of everything. I um a lot of, I I eat a lot of Japanese inspired food because my um 
I moved in with my aunt and uncle when I was in my young teens, and my aunt is half Japanese, so when she was cooking, she made a lot of Japanese food, and uh, so I've just carried over since then doing that, because especially since white rice is cheap, and uh, it's, yeah, I like it. It's cheap, and I like it. <laughs> but, Excellent. Yeah. Now, the important question about food, though, is what is your favorite ice cream? Hands down, Ben and Jerry's Milk and Cookies. Ooh, nice. I haven't had that one yet. Is that one good? It is very it's like it is it is basically um cookies and cream on crack. It's, nice. It's vanilla ice cream with with you know the Oreo chunks like you'd expect from cookies and cream, but it also uh -huh. has like chocolate chip cookie chunks and then like crumbles of stuff. It's amazing. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, you had me a cookies and cream and then you bought reeled me in with the crack. I'm all yeah. <laughs> I'm always down for some illicit drugs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much any any type of cookies and cream variant I'm down for. Like, I really like the mint ones. The, like, the mint Oreo combination just works for me. All right. Well, um, let's keep cruising along here. Um, we talked about music. What about movies? What are some of your favorite types of movies? I, I'm kind of all over the place with movies. It really depends on my mood. Like today I was watching the Roger Moore, James Bond. Um, I watched The Spy Who Loves Me and Moonraker, which are kind of like indirect sequels yeah. as much as the James Bond movies were. I like those. I mean, I love the Fast and the Furious movies just because they're so they're so fun. They're stupid and cheesy and fun. And that's all I care about. Um, yeah. I I'm kind of out on Marvel movies at this point, but I, I loved all of them pretty much up through the first um, uh, uh, Age of Infinity. What was the, the Avengers movie before Endgame? Uh, Infinity War. Yes, that one. That was pretty much my last hurrah with Marvel. And, you know, I, I, I like a good rom-com. I love musicals. Um, I, a good Western like a good neo-western which they don't make anymore but like 310 to yuma the, the remake mm -hmm. is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah, that's a great one so do, did you have you you've seen the unforgiven then i don't think i have oh okay if, that... if i have it's just drawing a complete blank in my brain yeah i see, i still remember rob and raj and i went to see that one i just remember we were because it's at one point it's like they're in a dark bar and then there's like a hard cut and they're standing out in the snow. And that was all three. It's <laughs> like, really, Oh my God, I'm blind. <laughs> but um, well, you should definitely watch that one. Unforgiven is a really good. And then you should watch the remake. There is a Japanese remake. So you know how all of the Westerns in the early days stole their storylines from Japanese Shogun movies. Yeah. They made a Japanese Shogun unforgiven <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> okay that's that's got my interest yeah it's so. really good you should definitely check that one out um let's see what else what about tv shows what do you watch again it's really just what i'm in the mood for like right now i'm intentionally watching bad anime or like <laughs> you know what is perceived as bad anime mostly just because i can kind of shut my brain off and you know whatever happens happens but i have i found some like ones that i I'm enjoying. I wouldn't say they're good by any means, but I'm enjoying them. And but like my favorite, my comfort, my two comfort shows that I will always turn on. Three comfort shows uh, is Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and the uh, The Legend of Korra, both. But I combine those into one. Love those shows. 
Archer, the animated comedy Archer. Yeah. And uh, Young Justice. Oh, it's, nice. Nice. Like, okay. I just, I like animated TV shows more. It's just for some reason, and I know I've, I've argued this point with other people um, who disagree with me, but for some reason, it's easier for me to get into the world of an animated television show than it is a live action, just because it's obviously fake. And if you see something weird happen on camera, you you ignore it. Whereas like, if it's live action, you're like, oh, that's kind of jarring. And it kind of pops me out of it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um so what tell me about some of the bad anime. What are some of the ones you're watching that are considered bad anime? Oh, I'm, in this list. I'm watching one right now and it's it's airing currently. It's called uh That Time I Was Reincarnated as a Vending Machine and Now I Wander the Dungeon or something like that. I don't <laughs> quite know. I might be mixing up two titles of that. But yeah, this this guy dies, this Japanese guy dies, and he turns into a vending machine and he's just a vending machine. And he goes on adventures with some some girl who has super strength and carries him around. <laughs> that sounds great. I think the Chainsaw Man really kind of opened the door into, well, this is a cartoon. We can make everyone whatever the hell we want. Yeah, my brother is trying really hard right now to get me to watch Chainsaw Man, and I still haven't done it. One of my friends just recently posted one. I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but it was a, a guy that turns into like a giant like mickey mouse cartoon suit and then there's a girl that wears him around and they like go seeking vengeance i'm like this <laughs> sounds dope <laughs> that does sound cool yeah i guess to get to know you a little bit more i had a couple questions like clothes questions do you prefer pants or shorts um at, when i'm working i wear pants when i am not working i am in shorts 100 percent of the time Nice. Like I, I spend it all day. I, I do manual labor, so I'm in like I'm sweating in blue jeans all day. And so on my off time, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, what about your favorite smell? You know, I am I'm a sucker for the smell of diesel exhaust in the morning. <laughs> Don't know what it is, but that that smell always gets me. Okay. And there's there's also like I I I'm, I like weird smells. And there's also this and it it's it's really dependent on time of day. There's also like the smell of like someone smoking a cigarette with fresh brewed coffee while the sun is rising. Love that too. Like that I I used to smoke in my early 20s and that it just that brings me back to memories of simpler times. Like I'm glad I don't smoke anymore, but I, I'm glad I did. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right. So speaking of the ice cream, I had a friend that worked at like a designer place in San Francisco and, you know, flavors of ice cream. Would you eat a cigarette flavored ice cream? I would try it, but I probably wouldn't have a whole cone, but I take one of those little tester spoons for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think that that's probably a, a good choice. I don't I don't know. I, I get really picky about my ice cream, so I yeah. don't know if I could be that brave. There's this I don't remember which president it was, but there's this story that I saw on like history.com or something. And one of the president's wives, so like the first lady of the United States back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, her favorite food was clam flavored ice cream. And so, like, they installed an ice cream maker in the White House so she could have clam-flavored ice cream. That's wild to me. That's like some Iron Chef shit right there. Yeah. 
It's they like always. It's like they here's the secret ingredient. It's like this tuber from fifty thousand feet below yeah. sea level, and they're like, "All right, go put it in the ice cream machine." Apparently, savory ice cream used to be a thing. That sounds hella gross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's probably less sugar, so that might make it a little bit more palatable. I don't know, but just the whole idea of clams and milk sounds horrible. Well, that's clam chowder, right? Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm know. also I allergic to shellfish, so okay, I can't well, eat that, it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bad, bad. It's not like you're like, oh, I don't like it. It's like, if I eat it, I'm going to die. Those are two different things. <laughs> I mean, it, but I also don't like it. So it's a win-win, really. Yeah, there you go. You can avoid it completely. All right. Before we dig into the comic book stuff, I do want to ask one more. What do you do for fun besides reading comic books? Um, This has been really hard for me since COVID because it used to be I would drink. And that's what I did. I Well, I wouldn't necessarily drink because I, I was still going to the bar like a few years after I quit drinking. But always before COVID, I would go to the bar and I'd just hang out and socialize or I'd wander around town and I'd go into the businesses and I'd socialize. I didn't really have any hobbies. I would just be out and about schmoozing, essentially. But after COVID, that really, you know, if that shut that down. And so um, it, uh, New Year's of 2020, my my New Year's resolution was to play Dungeons and Dragons to be more social. <laughs> and then COVID happened, but luckily I've I've been able to you know play play a little bit of D and D and some other TTRPGs. So I I do that. I read a lot. Um, I've got I've got a fish tank back here, which keeps me very entertained. So fish keeping is one of my newer hobbies. Um, I. I I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I just go down random YouTube rabbit holes. And like I'm currently my new my newest little hobby, if you could call it that, is I'm I'm attempting to set up a a home media server slash uh network attack storage on a little Linux micro PC. So that's kind of keeping me occupied right now. I don't know if I would call that a hobby yet, but it's something I am wasting my time with. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an obsession right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to get over that hump and make it a hobby. <laughs> yeah. You have to build like two or three and then you'll be okay. <laughs> That's what people keep telling me, but I don't, I don't know what I'd use it for. <laughs> so I know you put, you play D and D and you play Marvel with us. Um, what else do you, what other games have you played? Um, I've dabbled in Starfinder and Pathfinder, and I've I've read a couple of other, you know, handbooks, but I've never actually played any other games besides that. What were those? Um, I have a. Oh, it was it was a Kickstarter project, and I don't remember. Oh, it's called Avatar Legends, is what it is. It's based on um, Avatar, uh, the Last Airbender, like that whole world. Yeah. And that's that's a very confusing one if you're just reading the rule book. Like that's something you have to play to understand. And I don't have anyone to play with. Um, there and there's a couple of indie RPGs that I've read that kind of didn't really hold my interest, so I kind of just blew by them and ignored them. And I don't honestly remember what they were, just because I wasn't interested. Okay. So what what's your favorite so far? Um. I think my favorite system so far, the systems that I've 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 played a lot is probably D and D five E, but I'm I'm coming 
to have a hard time with that just because of the various groups I'm in and and the I don't know Dungeons and Dragons is a very specific subset of the of the TTRPG you know hobby and I'd, I'd say honestly the one I'm having most fun with like not to not to be like a, you know a brown noser is this Marvel game we're playing like it's it's I don't have to think about it I just kind of do things whereas in my my Dungeons and Dragons games I've kind of become a little bit of a rules lawyer and I hate that but <laughs> like like it, the one of the campaigns I'm playing in now for instance it's it's a brand new DM she's 20 2021 somewhere in there um never DM'd before hasn't read the dungeon master's guide even though I I bought it for her which oh. drives drives me crazy but constantly she'll like ask me for what like what the rules are so like I'll I'll find myself just throughout the game even when I'm not being asked what the rules are like explaining rules and it's kind of it, it makes me feel like an asshole and I don't enjoy that so it's kind of making me enjoy that less yeah I can see that it's it's definitely I mean, it's, so she's turning to you a lot for how yeah. to play the game. I am her dungeon master's guide, <laughs> <laughs> and I've never DM'd, which is it's just crazy to me. Yeah, did you, have you have you introduced her to Google yet? Because that's really handy. Yeah, and like I've shared all my supplements on D and D Beyond, so they're all there. It's just preparation. Yes, yeah. it's all it is. <laughs> all right. Let's get into the real meat of why we're here, which is comic books. So you said you started reading in like about 2011 in the New 52. Um, what were you? What What did you start reading? Uh, in the New 52. Yeah. Um. Definitely Batman. I think on my pull list when the New 52 first started was Batman, Static Shock, um. Nightwing, Batgirl, basically the Bat Family books. I think I had Animal Man. I had some really random ones, and then um, I, I I found most of them online, and read the first couple issues. And then if I liked them, I added them to my pull list. Okay. Yeah, the Static Shock that was an interesting addition to the New Fifty Two. I was really surprised to see that one because. They've done those milestone books dirty so many times. I'm yeah. amazed that they keep bringing, letting those people that, that the, the, like the publishers for those books keep letting DC um, publish the books. But they own wild. Uh, they own them now or th since the new 52, they've, they've owned. Uh, what, what is the name of that publisher? Milestone. 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 Yeah. They, they yeah. own, they own that. It's an imprint of DC. Oh, so see, that's I thought, why I thought that the writers and the artists still owned that. Nope. Oh, it was when the the fella that the original the founder when he died, DC swooped it up. That's right. Yeah, and I they was still really, do them dirty. They do. I was really excited for that though because I was a big fan of the Static Shock cartoon, and I don't even remember when that was out. I think I was probably a little too old for it, but my little brothers watched it or something. And like I said, I like cartoons, so I totally watched it. But, well, I mean, um, you know, that it's that's why you have, you know, younger siblings or as you get older, that's why you have kids. So you can, you know, watch cartoons with impunity. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just went on to Amazon, though, and typed in on, under my order history. The very first comic book I ever bought was um, it was October 8th, 2011. Okay. And I, I bought Deadpool 4. 
and oh, that was okay. that was my first like comic book that I ever. So you read. came into Deadpool first. Mm-hmm. What was what was the appeal of Deadpool if that was the first thing you bought? Um, I don't I don't know how I learned about Deadpool, but like his character just seemed cool, and I had a Deadpool sh- T-shirt. I still have it somewhere. Um. And so it was one of those things. It's kind of like a band T-shirt. Like, oh, if if you're gonna listen to this band or you have a band T-shirt, you better listen to them. So, like, if I was gonna have a Deadpool T-shirt, I needed to at least have read some Deadpool. So, and I, I really liked it, and that's kind of what jump started me into comic books. And I think from there I went into Batman somehow. I don't really remember how that happened, but I went from Deadpool core to Batman. Well, I can I can see the appeal of jumping in at the beginning of the new fifty two because it's a perfect jumping on point. Um, you know, a lot a lot of people crap when they crap on it when they relaunch books and stuff like that. But it really makes it easy for a new person that is either getting into comics or getting back into comics to mm-hmm. start reading them again. Yeah, that's a hundred percent was my feeling on it at the time. It was like, oh, it's a, it's a brand new because I I mean I I know enough about publishing and, and timelines and i'm a huge sci-fi fantasy nerd so i understand what canon is you know so they they were resetting canon i'm like oh well if it's a brand new canon i don't have to know anything and the things that i do have to know they will teach me as we go so yeah. it was great so what were some of your favorite books um comic books or real books um comic books <sighs> my my favorite comic book series of all time is saga by brian k vaughn um the secret six by gail simone was really good uh oh robin volume two by chuck dixon is one of my favorite books of all time too like series i've read all of that um pretty much i'm a huge bat family fan but i'm not necessarily a huge bruce wayne fan so like i read like all the nightwing books all the robin books um batgirl i was super into until they gave barbara the costume again which i hate but that's just me (laughs) um i don't know what's going on now but they did take it away from her for a while she needs to be oracle like she just needs it means to be i i really got into green lantern too um i I, I during the new 52 I started reading the Green Lantern books or Red Lanterns actually that was on my pull list when it first started was Red Lanterns right. so I started reading that and I enjoyed it so much that I jumped back to Jeff John's beginnings with Green Lanterns and I read most if not all of them up to that you know current point in time where I was at I loved those well, books a lot of people consider that like the definitive Green Lantern run mm-hmm. post um post Hal Jordan going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I enjoyed it. There was nothing about those books really that I didn't like because they didn't, uh, as opposed to what they had done previously, where they had kind of like pushed aside the various green lanterns that existed there. Every lantern had a book and every lantern was doing things. And if you didn't want to read about, you know, like Guy Gardner, you didn't have to, but if you wanted to, you could, you know, and Kyle Rayner was out there being the White Lantern and is doing his thing and just kicking ass. So, cool, cool. Do you still read any DC books now, or no? I don't. I haven't really read comics, um, probably for about three years now. I just kind of faded out on it. So Except the, for the, the local, X-Men, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but the the local comic book store here had closed, and that's kind of when I I stopped. I didn't have a way to get them unless I got them online and. 
I just kind of stopped reading them. But I still I still do get the Saga trade paperbacks when they come out. So that's really the only thing that I still read, but not yeah. really currently, you know. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that one. It's still a great story. Yeah, I love that. I will forever. There was that, that two-year dearth that was tough to get through. Yeah. I was honestly scared that they just weren't going to start it back up again. Because yeah, me too. Me it's it's got to be, you know, just the, the the volume of storytelling that they're doing. It was so great that I could see them being like, oh, we just can't get back into this because it's too much. Well, that would have been a hell of a cliffy to end on. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. <laughs> anyone who uh, hasn't read Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples, go and buy it. It is amazing. It's got yep. something for everybody. Yep, yep. Robot porn. Um, yep. Just Talking yeah. cats. Talking cats. Alien Intergalactic war. Bounty hunters. Western style stuff. It's it's great. Yep. And you like Westerns. Did you um read Jonathan Hickman's East of West by any chance? I've never read any Westerns. Okay. It's just something that I enjoy in, in movie form and Westworld when that was a Western. Okay. But that other was... than that, that's it. So there's um there's so I, I would say check out East of West. It's kind of a it's a futuristic kind of post-apocalyptic Western. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, really good. And the other one, um, Kelly Sue DeConnick's uh, Pretty Deadly. The first, I didn't read past the first volume, but that's kind of, that's a Western too. And those are both really good. Of course, I'd recommend anybody read anything by Kelly Sue DeConnick because yeah. she's fantastic. She is. Yeah. Um. Well... <laughs> Let's see. What about the X-Men? What got you into reading the X-Men? Was it the book club? Rob Shanghai me into the book club. <laughs> Literally, that was it. I have always stayed away from the X-Men, kind of intentionally. Why Why? Why did you stay away? Um, because I – within the Marvel Universe, like the Marvel Universe has its own lore and its own canon. But within mm -hmm. the Marvel Universe, the X-Men is kind of its almost its own universe. And it was so – it's so daunting from someone who doesn't know much about it to find a point to jump into it, like from the outside looking in. I'm sure there, there's plenty of places that would be great, but it was always extremely daunting to you know jump into the X-Men. So it just – I always kind of ignored it because I didn't want to take the time and the commitment to – get into it and i I've, I've dabbled in marvel books i'm not strictly a dc guy but like it the, the only i did read the uncanny x-force um and i enjoyed that and i read magneto the um by was it charles soleil yes yes I that read was that. the one where he was depowered y yeah i i read that and that's really prior to the book club that's that's it yeah. other than the deadpool core so you read was it now the uncanny x-force was that the fraction book or the yes. the one after uh matt the matt fraction book okay yeah. that one was great that one was great and the magneto the Soyu. um i'm i'm assuming that's how you say it i'm I have probably no idea. butchering it it's french <laughs> that one was that one was fantastic i think that that was my favorite portrayal of magneto yeah it was very good but so other than I, other than that, like my, the, my only exposure to X-Men, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it's the, the 90s cartoon, which I watched as a kid, but I was a kid, so I wasn't really paying attention to the lore. It was just something I watched. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men movies. And that was it. 
So when you compare um, the the characters, and so you read Magneto in the Soul You book, which was kind of very different from the way he had been portrayed all across the board in and the books up until then and then comparing him to where he's at when we now that we've gone back to the beginning um what do you think are you interested in seeing how he gets t- to where you first read him from where we are now yeah very much so and i know that's going to happen more as we get away from the silver age of comics and i've i've i was talking to rob about this the other day and like i i just have a hard time with silver age comics like they just don't resonate with me i have read some um mostly i haven't read any marvel silver age comics i've read dc silver age stuff mostly because i i I went on this i read like all the major dc events starting with uh crisis on infinite earth which is what kicked off you know silver to modern age yeah um so that that's really my only exposure to it and then i I dabbled in in a couple of other older dc books and they just never they just weren't good. They didn't hold my attention, and I I, th- I think that really comes across in the, in the way we talk about these books, as we're doing our book club, like they're just so completely different. And so, reading them for fun wasn't fun, whereas like reading them for the book club and talking about them with a group of people is. So like if I didn't have the impetus to read these books, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's fair. I do I do tend to agree. I think that I probably wouldn't have gone back. Um, so what are, if you, you know, you have trouble reading the silver age stuff, what are some of the books that you've read that still hold up? Like, you're like, oh, you know, this is just as good reading today and can apply just as much today as it did when it was written whenever. Um, I think the prime example of that for me is the killing joke. Like you can go back and read the killing joke uh like right now and it's it's relevant to stuff like to the to the world and another one you know since since my experience is is mostly batman especially with older stuff like i said i didn't really i read some you know mid-2000s green lantern but everything else i've read is mainly batman related stuff but um a death in the family i think still would hold up if i read it again right now because it, it really resonated with me when i read it in the you know like maybe 2013 i read it and i was like oh okay. shit like that's the one where jason todd gets bludgeoned with a crowbar and yeah i was and, gonna say uh, yeah we we as batman fans did jason todd dirty yeah i'm glad we did because i hated jason todd and i do like the way they brought i, I don't know it's, i think everything about it worked out but and then i i am always thankful that jason todd died because you know tim drake came along and tim drake is probably my favorite comic book character i don't know it's always it's always between dick dick grayson and tim drake but i think tim drake is the comic book character that i personally resonate with the most like why is that do you think um i don't know it's it maybe because he is more especially compared to dick grayson you know nightwing the first robin he dick grayson's kind of just the, the pretty boy who's good at everything Mm-hmm. And Tim Drake, especially like during his Robin, you know, the Robin Volume Two comic book, it really showed his struggles in him. Like he wasn't the greatest fighter, like he wasn't necessarily the smartest. He was one hell of a detective, and is known as a better detective than Batman, who is known as the detective. But you know, that's really all he was good at. He used he used his brains 
but when you're fighting people like the Joker or the Riddler or, you know, the KG Beast, your brains aren't the only thing you need. And so he, he struggled and to live up to what he needed to be. And that just kind of resonated with me because I've never been the most physically imposing person, but I like to believe I'm smart. So I don't, I just, I don't, Tim Drake just resonates with me. That's fascinating. Um, So did, how far did you, uh, do you still read any of the stuff with him in it then? Um, I, I have not read any of like the new stuff. Um, no, basically okay. I, I read his book, Red Robin that came out during the new, new 52 and it was horrible. Uh-huh. And that was kind of, I stopped reading his like standalone books because it was just so bad. And I never really picked him back up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I ask it, because as we come into the digital age, he kind of comes into his own as the computer guy. Yeah. So that that's really, you know, he's had an interesting story arc. So um, I, I feel like, though, he's just one of those characters and there's there's a bunch of them, but he's one of those characters that the writers just don't know what to do with. Yeah. Well, he, and he's he's bisexual gay now. Yes. Um, I don't remember which one. They, but... they say he's bisexual. Okay. But he could, that could change because yeah. comics. Comics. Yeah. Magnetism. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's the most annoying Robin then? Jason Todd or Damian Wayne? It depends on, I think overall, like during their entire run as Robin, and it's hard to say because Damian's still going kind of, Yeah. but oh, Jason Todd was more annoying if you look at the entire run. Damian was more annoying when he started, but the character growth that he has he gone through has made him a, a very compelling character. Yeah, he's definitely been interesting. And I like the wrinkle of it actually being Batman's kid. Yeah. Instead of instead of it being the Batman's kids club, you know, right. and <laughs> catch somebody stealing a tire and make him a superhero. Yeah. Remember when that was a thing when you'd steal rims and hawk them? <laughs> <laughs> God bless Jason Todd. I do have to wonder though, what Batman was thinking giving continually giving young boys tight green fish scaled um, underpants to wear as part of their costume. Well, that that's another plus in, in Tim Drake's column is he stopped that. <laughs> Very so. true. That's right. I forgot about that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the X-Men. So okay. you haven't read a ton, but um, what are you thinking so far of the books you've read? Uh, there's a lot I like about it, and there's also a lot that I don't like about it. And it's also it's not ne- it's not because of the X Men like themselves. Mm-hmm. It's because of the style of the writing. Like I said, the Silver Age writing just doesn't resonate with me. And I think that's really my hiccups on it. So, have you read many books from before the Silver Age, or does I mean I know you went back, but how far did you go back and read anything like pre comics code? No, I didn't. Like, I, I think I read, you know, the first issue or, or not the first issue, but like Detective Comics 32 okay. or, you know, or, you know, the, the first appearance of Batman, the first appearance of of Superman. Um, I I looked for the first appearance of Captain America, never found it. Like those kind of like, historic books I've read, okay. but just single issues. So, but I mean, as far as as far as not liking Silver Age comics, that that applies to like normal books too. Like I'm a huge sci-fi fantasy fan. I love them. 
but mm -hmm. I don't like classic. I don't like classic sci-fi, and I don't like classic fantasy. Like I've read, I've read Tolkien, mm -hmm. but mainly because I'm supposed to read it. <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's I, fair. <laughs> I tried to read Dune, couldn't get into it. I just don't. There's just something about writing that's pre, realistically 1985 that I just can't wrap my head around for some reason. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it certainly is of a different time. Like I uh, just not too long ago, I tried to read the King in yellow and I realized, man, people in the thirties were afraid of everything. Mm -hmm. One story yeah. ends where some guy dies of fright because there was a strange shadowy figure in a dark alley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel um, like that might be where society is going again, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Yes. That just, just, just half of us, right? In America. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what um, of, of the characters that we're reading right now, who would you say is, is possibly your favorite? I think, and it's probably because I'm biased because I play Iceman in our Marvel game. I'm really enjoying Iceman, but also I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's kind of, he's, he's, he's the, uh, he's the comedic relief when there is none to be had in these books. Like, I don't know. He's just, he's the most interesting to me right now. Like Cyclops is a little moby bitch. He's not doing anything exciting. Warren is absolutely useless. When Jean Grey is utilized, I really like her character, but she just isn't utilized by the writers very much. Beast is just pompous. You know, Professor Xavier is, ugh. <laughs> like, I don't know. Ted Roberts okay. is pretty rad. <laughs> oh yeah professor xavier every issue opening up the door to the candy van yeah. i don't know why i'm stuck on that today but <laughs> I, I don't know i'm I'm really excited for you know as as we get further into it because character development is happening yeah but i'm excited to see character development happen and stick because as of right now issue to issue the character development that's happened really hasn't meant much Right. I, no. I would I would agree with you there. Mm -hmm. Um and I know you haven't read a lot of the later X-Men, but who who would you be your favorite of all time? My favorite X-Men of all time? Uh-huh. Uh possibly Gambit, just because of what I know of him from the nineties cartoon. He was just such a rad character. Um Yeah, I I think Cyclops in that show, when he wasn't a Moby bitch, was pretty awesome. You know, Wolverine's a badass and everyone loves Wolverine, but he's kind of got that whole Superman vibe to me where he's just too super in a yeah. way. Yep. So, yeah, I'd, I'm probably going to stick with Gambit. I like Nightcrawler. Mystique's going to be rad when she shows up. But, like, I've kind of always had a thing for um, Magneto. So it's going to be very interesting to watch him finally get some character development because yeah, well, he, right now he's just a villain. That's all he is. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And I, I, that's probably going to be, you know, way, way, way later, probably maybe in the nineties that he starts getting depth. Right around issue 200 mm -hmm. is when he really starts to become a more complex character. And that's really where they revamp him and kind of launch into he becomes like the teacher of the new, the headmaster of the school and is teaching the new mutants. Um, 
And I mean, if, if, if there was going to be a good jumping on point or for first spot to read Magneto is that Charles Sillyul book was the best spot mm-hmm. that the, uh, he, the, the landing was not the strongest, but that wasn't his fault because he had to lead into that stupid um, axis and yeah. that ended the book. And so it was like three issues that took up a whole 30 seconds of time. Yeah, but <laughs> until then, that whole thing was solid. It was one of my favorite miniseries. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's another thing as to why I've kind of shied away from the X Men is because none of the X Men really jump out to me as a character. Like I I know if like I got in there, there are characters that I would find that I like, but none of them on a surface level really interest me that much, and they're kind of not supposed to because it's a teen book. So. Team team books can definitely be a challenge, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that there's certainly there's one of the things that has always impressed me about the X Men is that there's always been room to develop all of these characters. Kitty Pride, fascinating story arc. Colossus, you you wouldn't think it just to look at it, but man, there's crazy stuff going on with that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, it goes on and on. Domino. There's some really good Domino miniseries out there. I think that either Kelly Sue or Gail wrote a couple of Domino books not too long ago. So Really? Yeah, you should definitely check those out. Um, um, so what do you think of the the book club so far? Are you enjoying it? I'm very much enjoying it. It's like like I I said to I don't remember who was yours to Rob, but like this this last week before we recorded um it was an extremely hard week at work i was so tired and like i said to myself man i really want to do this reading or this meeting but i really don't want to do the reading because i'm so tired <laughs> but like i want to go to the meeting like so it's something it's something i look forward to every every month i think we should probably wrap it up here is there anything that you think that everyone should know about drew before we sign off here uh well I th- I think we we've kind of touched on it a little bit in the um during in in the podcast but I am I'm but I'm definitely the, the youngest member I'm I'm 34 years old so that's that's for context that's that's it everyone else is in their 50s I think you've all said I don't know I don't know how old Rowan is and I'm not going to ask uh, <laughs> uh, um Roger said he was 50 Rob Roger's looks like 52. he, he Rob's probably 65 for all I know. like you know don't ask don't tell though so (laughs) but yeah so i'm in i'm in my my mid-30s okay well no i mean it's it's definitely interesting to because i think that like between you and rowan we get a couple of different perspectives because i mean we're you know rob raj and i are all coming at the books with slightly different views they're all of the same age and the same you know white dude reading comic books written for white dudes right so but you know you're a white dude but it's you know you're much younger so you have a little bit of a different world view than i think the three of us probably do Mm -hmm. and then of course rowan i do think i do when i said it in the thing today but i do think that i really do think that she's everyone's favorite in the show yeah (laughs) yeah i think so so we have to we all have to reach for that spot now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely nice to have different perspectives because I know like, every single person brings something different to the table and and comes at the books from a different angle and it definitely makes me think about them in ways that I don't when I'm reading them alone. 
and it's especially with you guys with your knowledge of the x-men for me ha knowing nothing about it and i'm kind of intentionally going into these books not knowing anything so that i can have those moments when i'm like oh shit juggernaut was in the basement you know like, I, I i like having those guys and like i i t t you know to be kind of egotistical i like being able to have that reaction for you guys to enjoy so but but then again when we're recording the episodes you guys have information about the books and the storylines and the authors and the artists and and everything that i don't have to search out for myself or that i wouldn't think about and and i get to learn about books in ways that i wouldn't otherwise yeah i feel that that's probably the the, the thing that that rob brings to the the table is he's like the comic book historian and it's really cool mm -hmm. i think that and while he's not the historian i think roger kind of um kind of looks at the stories through uh, a historical lens and he's talking about because he frequently references you know that they were written for a certain time and things yeah. like that so and i'm just having fun reading them again <laughs> it's for me i i've always been one of those people as i'm reading comic books like across the board i don't really pay attention to the art i'm very much a storyline type guy mm -hmm. so it, it's nice kind of being directed towards particular aspects of the artwork that I definitely didn't notice. And then it's kind of teaching me how to do that as I'm reading it. Like I'm definitely noticing things about the art more now than I've ever done before reading comic books. And oh, that's, wow. that's interesting. That's because you guys really enjoy and appreciate the art. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when we all, when, so when I drug Rob and Roger into the X-Men, it was the Jim Lee, Will Spratacio era of the X-Men. Oh, and Mark Silvestri <laughs> were, the, were the three rotating artists on that book. So mm -hmm. it was definitely a good time to be an X-Men fan for sure. Yeah, I bet. So. All right. Well, thank you very much, Drew, for coming on here and chatting with me for a bit. It was great to get to know you and, yeah. you know, talk separately from the book club and the, the game the rest of the hooligans yeah yeah <laughs> yeah this is a lot of fun thank you very much i appreciate it no problem well that's going to do it for this very special episode of episodic specialness on the house of x book club coming up next professor x does some shady shit always